Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word that brings transformation. I thank you that your, power, your, the, your word is eternal in nature. And it's by the power of your word that you hold the world and all the universe in its place. It's as a result of your word. Your word is powerful. Your word is alive. It's active. And we sit under your word this morning, Lord God, and we believe for it to change our world, change our understanding, change our perspective, change our hearts, change our circumstances, change everything that's going in and around us in a way that just conforms us to the image of the word and his name is Jesus. And we thank you for that in this morning's message in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, for those of you who don't know me, uh, I was previously a police officer before becoming the pastor of the church some 14, 14 plus years ago. I finished the last 12 years of my career in the police communications room. And we were responsible for taking the phone calls from the members of the public. And uh, we would then uh, create what we called a, a, a job for that, uh, that particular phone call. We would then convey that information to the patrol cars out in the field. And they would then attend to those different areas of need that the community had phoned in about. What happened was, for us to be able to do that, was that we undertook a season of training of between about four to six weeks in training that was both theoretical and practical in what we needed to do. We were taught how to use the equipment, we were taught uh, uh, the, the procedures and the practices that were involved in the taking of phone calls, entering a job on the computer system, that computer system then getting the information out to the patrol cars. And what happened was we needed to be trained and with simulated events and situations that might be radioed into us as the radio operator who was dealing and looking after the patrol cars for a particular subdivision or area. So we needed to, to go through a whole training regimen to be able to uh, accomplish what we needed to do. So we were simulating high-speed pursuits uh, in the training uh, atmosphere so that uh, when it came time for us to go live on the system and be responsible for caring for real patrol officers out in the field, that we could respond as soon as they came up on the air. One of the greatest things that sends a shock to your heart and to your adrenaline system is when you hear uh, on your, the, the, uh, one of the patrol cars that you're responsible for, you can hear in the background the siren is going and they're saying, uh, just as, as a for, insta uh, for instance, Delta 2-1, we are high speed going north on uh, Northeast Road or whatever. You know? So it just sends a, a jolt through your system. And depending upon how you looked at that training as to how prepared you were to handle that, that situation... Your training is, is everything uh, to, to make you prepared to look after that. I, I, I personally saw uh, a couple of operators that when the siren suddenly came up on their radio, they froze. They, they just didn't know how to handle it. They didn't know what to do. They just froze because of the shock of the system and, 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 and that whole deal. And what we had to do as supervisors was then to... Uh, easily uh, try and transition them out of that booth, get another operator into that booth so that we could look after the, uh, the police officers out in the field at the pointy end. Uh, but sometimes they just didn't handle it well. But other times, as soon as they heard the siren on there, everything just swung into motion. The, the training kicked in, they looked after the patrol car, and we hopefully brought that, that incident to a successful resolution. 
And I say that as a, a, a prelude to this message this morning because uh, the Bible says in 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared. It says always to be prepared to have an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And sometimes because we've not done any training, because we've not prepared ourselves to have a response when someone actually asks us about our faith or the hope that we have, we freeze. We, we, we don't know what to say. We, we don't take an, uh, uh, that, that opportunity that God has presented before us to be able to walk into the moment and to have a, a response for someone who asks us about the hope that we have in Christ. And what this series is designed to do is to help to prepare us to have a response. When someone says to us, there is something different about you. I don't know what it, what is it that's different about you. And we can say, well, I'm glad you've asked. Well, I'm glad you've asked. Because that's an opportunity. And because we prepared ourselves, we've, given, we've been given tools to be able to accomplish what uh, we need to do in that moment. We can actually walk into that, that instant and start to have a conversation with someone. Not telling them about how they've got to get their life right, but just to, to walk into that moment. Because it goes on in that particular verse, it says, but do this with gentleness and respect. What a powerful statement to say. Let's, let's be prepared, but let's do it with gentleness and respect. Let's do it with honor for the person that we're speaking with. Let's do it with a gentleness. We're not going to come in there overbearing with a big stick and, and bash people over the head with their Bibles. We're not going to do that. We're going to come in with a gentle spirit and a, and a respect for the people and a respect for the, the, the presence of God in that moment as well, a respect for what God's doing in that moment as well. So we, we know that we need to do some preparation in our hearts for that. So it's tool time. This whole series that we're doing is going to help us to have spiritual conversations with anyone who lives and believes different from us. So here's, here's the deal. I've got in my hand, for those of you who are listening to this by podcast and watching from around the world, <laughs> this I've got in my hand a knife, a fork, and a spoon, a spoon. Okay, I've got a knife and a fork and a spoon. These are incredibly powerful tools. Incredibly powerful tools. If you want to eat a meal that is pleasurable, enjoyable, easy, cleaner and more effective. Now you can use your hands and stuff. Okay, but if you go to a fine dining restaurant and you just pick up the drummy with your hand, okay, the, the maitre d', he's going to look at you and he's going to think, mate, barbarian, you know what I mean? <laughs> so these, these here are, they are tools that are absolutely amazing. Here, the excellent thing about these tools is this, that they are not limited for use in one particular style of meal. You could use these for breakfast. You could use these for morning tea. You could use them for lunch. You could use them for afternoon tea. You could use them for dinner. You could use them for supper. There you go. You could use these like for a multiplicity of meals. 
You can use these, okay? They're not limited to one time of the day. They're not limited to just one season of the year. Oh, look, it's summer. I've got to use, you know, just the knife, fork, and spoon. That's, I, but the rest of the year, I can't use them because it's, it's not summer yet. No, we can use these at any point in the year. They're not limited to a season. And when we become effective at being able to use these, these tools, we are not limited either by our age, by our sex, uh, by the gender that we are, or how we use them. We're not limited by our education. We are simply being more effective. and used. These are available to be used at any time of the day or night, at any season we find ourselves in life, and in any meal that we choose to use them for as well. Well, I want to put it to you this morning that there is nine simple practical tools in this series that will help us at any time of the day or the night, at home, at work, at school, in winter, spring, summer or autumn, whether we are a male or a female, whether we are young or old, whether we are working or unemployed, whether we are rich or not so rich, to have a conversation with anyone, a family member, a friend, a work colleague, a neighbour, anyone, a stranger, no matter who they are, these tools will actually help us and equip us to be prepared to have an answer and and to communicate with those people about spiritual issues. So this, this series is based on the nine arts of spiritual conversations by Mary Scheller. And it provides for us the wisdom in the tools that we need to have to have a spiritual conversation with anyone who lives differently and believes differently from us. This is the whole premise of this whole series that we're doing right now. So we looked at, uh, we've already looked at four tools to help us have a conversation with people about spiritual things. We've, we've talked about noticing people, about praying for people, about listening to people, and how to, have, uh, to ask good questions. And this, this morning's message is all about the simple practice of loving people. Simply just loving people. Loving people. See... Because God loves us so extravagantly, we are compelled to express that lovers, loves to, love to others. We are compelled by it because we've, we've experienced to some level God's love for us. That in turn has motivated us, it's inspired us. You know what? I want other people to experience the love, the grace, the acceptance that I have from God. And I want them to experience that too. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 to 20, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we have, have the confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Okay? There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen pretty clear. Francis Chan says God's definition of what matters is pretty straightforward. He measures our lives on how we love. So how are you loving this morning? How is our love for the people in and around about us? How's that going this morning? So this morning I just want to give us maybe five observations about love. Five obs- are you ready for five observations about love? Yep, three people are ready. Excellent. The rest of you, I'll just pray that you get this by osmosis. Actually, I'll give you a knife and fork. You can chew this over a bit later. All right? So the first observation about love is this. God loves us. That's my first observation about love. 
I mean, that's profound. That is profound. That, that is deep right there. So God loves us. John 15 uh, verses 1 and 3 goes on to say, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And I understand the Bible and it calls, it says about us that we are the friends of God. We're friends with God. God's love is a sacrificial, boundless and deep love that's worth investigating, understanding, experiencing and sharing with the people around about us. Notice the powerful imagery of God's love in the, 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 these passages coming up in a moment. So this week, I want us to spend time okay, reading the verses we're about to read, to think about them, to put your name in them and to make them personal for you. Can we do that this, this week? That's all I want us to do, is, apart from when you get your homework at the end of the message, so, so I want us to have a, have a think about these passages. Listen to this. This is Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, out of the NIV. It says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you, Gary. He will quiet you, Gary, with his love. He will rejoice over you, Gary, with singing. Now, you don't have to put the name Gary in there. Okay, I mean, you can if you want. I appreciate all the prayer I can get, to be honest. That would be really nice. But maybe just put your name in there and start to make this personal for you. How, how, how would it sound? You know, like, he will take great delight in you, Paul, Teresa, Robin, Terry, Alina, Digby, Cameron, Lindsay, and all the rest of you as well. Ephesians chapter three verses seventeen to Ephesians three verses seventeen to nineteen out of the Message Bible says this: I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all Christians the extravagant dimension of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. Maybe this week as you're reading that, Lord, would you help me to experience this? Would you help me to, to be in this moment? Then Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 to 5 says, Long before he laid earth's foundation, he had Gary in mind, had settled on Gary as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Imagine start to say that over your life. When you start to personalize, it comes alive for you personally. It comes alive for you specifically. It's not talking about just anybody. This is talking about you. And if you maybe sat there and just pondered that and thought about that, like Alina during worship, just wait on God and allow him to bring strength and, and, and energy into your life and into your soul and into your spirit. Allow the Spirit of God to, to minister to your soul as you start to read that. What could happen? What, what could change in your world and your thinking maybe this week as you sat down at the feet of Jesus like Mary did? And you just allowed the ministry of the word to come into your spirit because you've made it personal. You've written your name in there. You've circled where it might have said, uh, settled on us, and you've circled the word us, and then you've put a big line up to the top of your Bible page, and you've written your name. Because now this is personal to you. What could happen? Maybe, just maybe, it'll change your life.
just maybe. So let these verses filter into your heart and receive God's love for you. Second observation about love, about love today, is we love because he loves us. You might think that you, you know, you love because you're a really loving person. Well, you actually, you know what? We get the ability to love from God. Deep down, we're all aware of the parts of ourselves that we consider unlovable. And despite our shortcomings, God sees us as precious and of infinite worth. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. Because we've experienced God's love, we are motivated to spread it in tangible ways, in practical ways, in real ways. My nutritional intake provides a fuel for my body. If I take in calories without using them, my, my body will accumulate that fuel as fat and I grow less and less healthy because I'm not using what I'm, I'm, I'm bringing in. Similarly, my soul is not designed to take in the spiritual nutrition of God's love without then turning it outward and loving in a loving action towards other people around about us. What we have is fat Christians. You all right? Know I love you? Care about you? Thinking of you? Okay? But there's too many fat Christians in church. We have got to reach out and let people know and allow the Spirit of God to outwork the love of God in and, to, in and through our community. That's why I've challenged myself to be out in the community, at the Mount Barker Business Group, at the Summit Tracks four-wheel drive club, at the Park Run. I've challenged myself to be in these, these areas because I'm not, not happy to be in church just becoming a fat Christian. I want to be a trim, taut, terrific athlete for God. Yeah, I can tell you right now, I can bench press two packets of Kellogg's cornflakes. That's how fit I am. Whew. I could, I can't, no, no cornflakes. There we go. I digress. Here's the thing I cannot expect to love others purely if I am not being nourished by God's love. That's why the first observation isn't to know that God loves us. The second observation is because of his love, I can now reach out to others. I must tap into the source of love and, in fact, into love himself. The third observation about love is that love pursues on purpose. Love pursues on purpose. When we talk about maybe how we came to Christ, we often describe ourselves perhaps as seekers. I was seeking God. I was looking for God. You know, as as if our spiritual journey is all about us. That we're the ones who are active and God is out there passively waiting to be found or even hiding from us. We may think that God's far off and disinterested or that he only cares about us if we initiate a relationship with him. The truth is this, that God is actually in pursuit of each and every one of us. He's actively in pursuit of us. He's pursuing us. He's chasing us down with who he is. He's coming to get... Trouble is, we're running the other way. When trouble or calamity hits, 
It's my observation that many Christians actually run from God instead of running to God. Because something dramatic has happened or tragic has happened in your world or in your family or in your circumstances, you blame God instead of going to God for the answer. And it was never his problem. It was never his, 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 his doing what's happened. And we, we run from God instead of running to him. But that's a different message. Isaiah 62 verse 12. We, we need to understand this. It says here, they will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you will be called the sought after. See, God's in pursuit. God's, God's seeking you out. God's looking for you. When Adam and Eve messed up, okay, what, what, what did God do? He said, where are you guys? Where are you? I'm looking for you. I'm, I've missed you. Where are you? They ran from him. They tried to hide from him. And God says, I, I, I want you. I, I, I'm looking for you. From Adam and Eve to Abraham, from Moses to Ruth, from David to the Virgin Mary, God sought them all out. He demonstrated his love personally to each of them while he worked in their lives to carry out his plan, motivated by love for the whole world. In 1 John 4, verses 9 to 10, we've read this already. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only does he love us, but he pursues us and has set in place a, a plan, set in motion a plan to actually pursue us and catch us with his love. See, Jesus' mission was always to seek and to save the lost. Today, how does he do that? Through you and me. He, he's, he's using you and I to seek and to save those that are lost. That's why this whole series is so important. That I'm, I'm providing us with tools to, to, to actively gear us up with the tools that we need to be able to pursue the people that God loves in our community. The people that you live next door to. The people that you're working with. The people that serve you in the supermarkets. The people that hand over to you your library book as you go in there. God wants us to be able to to reach out to the community. He's pursuing the people in our community through you and I. And these tools are going to help to uh, prepare us to have a response when the opportunity arises. That's why noticing is so important. It's the first thing. Why did you suddenly notice that person in the street? Start to pray for them. Start to ask yourself questions about them. Get your eyes off yourself. Well, what if they don't? Well, no, it doesn't matter. God lovingly pursues us, as well as our family, our friends, our neighbors, our classmates, the strangers that we see in our community. He is the shepherd who pursues the one lost sheep. And we can follow in his footsteps by proactively seeking out the people who are living desperate lives without him. Let's watch the video. It happened again. 
this time at the Boston Marathon. Over 140 people injured, and as of the time of this writing, three people dead, including an eight-year-old boy. We were just here in Newtown, Connecticut, and before that in Aurora, Colorado. I'm a pastor here in Chicago. I don't, I don't really know anyone personally affected by these tragedies. I really don't know what to say. With so many people using these terrible events to push their own theological or political agendas, it seems like maybe the best thing to do is to just stop talking. But I want to be able to offer something. So here is what God is putting on my heart. Love. Specifically, this passage in Ephesians 3. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Right now, most of us are probably finding it difficult to understand God's love at all. So this verse is both encouraging and challenging. But maybe this place of confusion, anger, pain, and unanswered questions is the perfect place to consider the mystery of God's love. The Bible tries to describe God's love for us in a variety of ways. God is described as a father who has compassion on his children, or as a lover who comes for his bride. He wipes away our tears and carries us when we're broken and hurt. In spite of all these amazing pictures of God's love, I never really understood. The Bible said the Father had great love for me. I really didn't see it until I had kids of my own. Suddenly, this image of God as my loving Father came into focus. I understood how God wants to forgive me when I mess up. When my son Ben called me and said, Hey, Dad, I just crashed your car. I really messed up. And I couldn't wait to run over there and give him a giant hug and say, It's okay, Ben. No big deal. I understood how his guts ache with feeling for me. When my daughter, Lana, had her heart broken by the boy who took her to homecoming. And I felt like my heart had been broken. I understood all the ways he wants to comfort me. When I watched my youngest son Joseph trip and fall and split open his head, and all I wanted to do was scoop him up, hold him close to my face, whisper in his ear, it's going to be okay, Joseph, it's going to be okay. Daddy's got you. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people still have no idea how God feels about them. They may have heard God loves you, but they have never felt or understood how wide and high and long and deep God's love for them is. And on top of that, there is an enemy at work in the world who spends his time trying to convince people that God couldn't possibly care about them or love them. Events like the bombing in Boston make the enemy's job easy. It's impossible to use words to convince people that God loves them when all they feel is sadness and pain. Our words sound hollow, empty. Our promises carry no weight. But maybe in times like this, we aren't called to use words. Maybe the best thing really is to stop talking. Wayne Gordon was a high school football coach in a rough neighborhood on the west side of Chicago. He and his wife discipled 14 students, eventually leading them all to a relationship with Jesus. One of these students was Jojo. When high school ended and life got more serious, Jojo fell in with the wrong crowd. He started doing drugs and got hooked while in the army. When he came back to Lawndale, he ended up living in drug houses dumpsters, and cardboard boxes. A lot of people were saddened by JoJo's choices. But Coach Gordon, he made a conscious decision. He would drive around town several times a week looking for JoJo. And when he found him, 
He would pull over his van and yell out the window, I love you, Jojo, and so does Jesus. Jojo told me the rest of his story. My life was so miserable, I decided to end it all. I got in the bathtub and slit both my wrists. When I woke up several hours later, still alive, I got up from the tub and went to the only person who I knew cared about me, the only person who had made God's love visible to me, Coach Gordon. As followers of Jesus, we get to be the ones who show the world that the enemy's lies aren't true. We get to show people that God is still madly in love with his kids, that he delights in us, forgives us, that his guts ache for us, and that he comforts us. So as we live in the aftermath of yet another terrible act, let's use more than words. Let's make God's love real, tangible, and alive for everyone who needs it. Hi. There I am. Cool. We are called to notice with compassion, to pray with purpose for people, to initiate a conversation, to reach out a hand, to take a first step, to listen patiently, to extend an invitation, to welcome warmly, and to intentionally seek others out. It's what we're called to do. The fourth observation I have about love is that love pursues with sacrifice. In the aftermath of the 2011 earthquake and tsunami, the subsequent nuclear plant meltdown in Japan, a massive cleanup of the hazardous site was required. A retired Japanese physicist invited other retired scientists to join him in offering their services to clean up the Fukushima uh, nuclear power plant. Within four months, 400 men and women had signed up. This, uh, this skilled veteran corps wanted to go in place of the younger workers. In an effort to protect the younger generation from radioactive exposure, these individuals were willing to face perilous radiation levels so that that younger generation didn't have to. See, God's love is expressed in an even more heroic sacrifice. Jesus, the Son of God, left the comfort of heaven, the presence of the Father, and became like us, willingly entering into our contaminated world to save us from sin's fallout. Love may sometimes feel, but it always acts. Love sometimes feels, but it always acts. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we're still in our rebellion, while we're still doing things that are contrary to the way that he wants us to live, he loved us and he sent Jesus to die for us. He died. Christ died for us. God doesn't just talk about love. He acts on it with a huge sacrifice. I've used the illustration before, but I think it pans out and, and works well for this morning. In his book, The Magnificent Defeat, theologian Frederick Buechner provides a different perspective on love than one that we may think about. He says this, The love for equals is a human thing, of friend for friend, brother for brother. It's to love what is loving and lovely, and the world smiles. 
The love for the less fortunate is a beautiful thing. The love for those who suffer, for the poor, the sick, the, uh, the failures and the unlovely. This is, a, is compassion and it touches the heart of the world. The love for the more fortunate is a rare thing. To, those, to love those who succeed where we fail, to rejoice without envy with those who rejoice. The love of the poor for the rich, of the black man for the white man. The world is always bewildered by this type of love. And then there is the love for the enemy. The love for the one who does not love you but mocks, threatens and inflicts pain on you. The tortured's love for the torturer. This is God's love and it conquers the world. See, could it be that God is asking us to love the lovable, to love those that who are like me, to love those less fortunate than I am, to love those who are more fortunate than I am, and to love our enemies also. So let's be honest this morning, shall we? Let's, let's just drill down a little bit of honesty this morning. Loving those who are lovable and like us can be much easier than loving someone who lives different and believes different from us. Because we know those people, but we don't know the people that we don't know. Our lifestyle to a certain degree insulates us from those who are different from us. And by a choice, we'll often insulate ourselves from those who have deliberately hurt us or wounded us. But rather than absolving us, God calls us to deliberately put ourselves in settings, neighborhoods and social gatherings where we get to know and to love those who are not like us. He says to us, go and make disciples. How are you engaging with your community, church? How are you doing it? What's your strategy? What's your plan? How are you doing that? What are you doing to deliberately place yourself in a setting, a neighborhood, a social gathering, so that you can build relationship with those who live in and around you and who may live different from you and believe different from you? What are you doing in that area? In your life. Sila. The fifth observation about love is this. Love holds it all together. Love holds the whole thing together. Colossians chapter 3 verses 13 to 14 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Here's, here's a thing that's challenging challenges me to the core as well okay if we are to forgive as christ has forgiven us that means that there have been times i've lived in a way that i've offended maybe god or i've lived contrary to what he he, he he's he's done or his word says yeah my lifestyle may not have been one that was conducive for a, a christian to be called a christian and no no time did god say to me that's it i don't want anything further to do with you that's it, you've, I've written you off, you're gone. That's it, that was your last chance. God's never done that. God's never done that. He's never done that. He's always given us another chance, another chance, another chance. He welcomes us, he pursues us. He's looking for us like the father of the prodigal son. He's watching for his son to come back. He's watching for his boy to come home. So then he can run to him and give him a kiss and a hug. That's how God the Father works. So why is it that we treat our enemies differently? Why is it that we treat people that hurt us, say nasty things about us, and we cut them off? We say, no, I don't want nothing to do with you anymore. 
That's another sermon. <laughs> I don't want to put too much out there because, you know, it's Christmas. See, love binds all relationships together. It says in, in Colossians, it goes on to say, and all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, love never fails. The Bible says love never fails. What does love never do? Love never fails. If we are to, to truly reach our enemies, the people that hurt us, abuse us, and stuff like that. Now, I think that there's, there's boundaries you need to put in place as to the level of that relationship. I mean, you don't chuck your brains out. But we can still love them, pray for them. God, would you t- show them that you love them, you care for them? The great commandment of loving God and loving others galvanizes our involvement in the great commission of reaching others and making disciples too. God invites ordinary people to make an extraordinary impact with the extraordinary message that God extravagantly loves all people. He loves all people. If there's one story that comes to my mind when I think about the way that that this could look, it's in the story of Les Miserables. It's a powerful, powerful story that paints for us a picture of love and its transformative power in people's lives. In one powerful moment in this story where Jean Valjean, an ex-con, steals silver from the home of a priest. The police bring the guilty Jean Valjean back and the, and the silver to the house where the priest is. And then the priest tells the police, actually, I gave Jean Valjean this silver. The police leave. The priest then turns to Jean Valjean and actually gives him the silver. And with it, a way to change his life forever. Jean Valjean is moved powerfully by this act of love and he vows to change the way that he lives by giving his life to help others. And this is powerfully lived out in his promise to a dying woman that he barely knows when he takes her daughter Cosette as his own, loving her like a true father. It's a powerful story. I probably expect that this afternoon that the Netflix bookings for Les Miserables will go up because you're going to check it out now. And the sale of tissues as well. See, outrageous, sacrificial and radical acts of grace can change the world. Where people expect retribution or to be beaten up with words or actions because of something they did wrong when they instead receive grace softens a heart how far are we willing to take this personally how far are we willing to go for the lost because i know one thing that jesus took it all the way to the cross for the miserable ones so you're ready for some homework these are your homeworks in your notes so this week's discovery ask yourself this question When you think about community, who has God put on your heart? Who has God put on your heart? How does he want to use your unique love and care to impact that person's life? So here's your practice. This is what I'm I'm asking everyone to do this week. Number one is to go back over those, those, those scriptures that I read and make them personal to you. Meditate on them, think about them, soak in them. 
The next thing I want us to do is the next time you're in a crowded, busy place, maybe a shop, a, a traffic jam, a bus station, a classroom, a restaurant, intentionally bless people. Intentionally bless them in however way that you think that that can happen. Randomly select people in the crowd and determine to have only one thought about each person that you see, to love and silently bless them as people uniquely created by God who have infinite worth because Jesus died for them. You don't have to talk to them, but just consciously, God, I bless that person that's pushing that shopping trolley. God, would bless that person that's just cut me off in the traffic. As you see the, 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 the emergency services, this, this, is, this is how I do it. When I see a, a police car, an ambulance, the CFS, the SES, whatever, the, the emergency service going down the road, and they are flying down there with their lights and sirens going, my heart breaks for those guys because I know that they're probably heading into trouble. My prayer is every time I see that, when I see the rescue helicopter land at the hospital, God, would you give them wisdom beyond their years and understanding to be able to treat what's going on there. Lord, would you protect those emergency services that are going down the road? I don't know where they're going, Lord, but you know where they're going. Would your hand of protection be upon them? Bless them in Jesus' name. Give them, protect them. But Lord, protect their families. Put their, their families' minds at peace as they're going and they're doing what they're doing. It's not hard homework, church. Who, what do you recognize happening to you while you perform this practice? What, what do you feel while you're doing this? How might God feel as well as you're doing that? What would God feel towards that person that you're, you're talking and you're blessing as you're doing it? Write down your observations and your impressions. More and more lately, I've been journaling my journey. Just sitting down at various points during the day and just putting down thoughts and impressions. Here's, here's accountability. Partner with someone and share your experience. What did you discover? What did you feel? Celebrate it together that you actually tried. You haven't even spoken to anyone. All you've done is thought that you're just blessing someone. That's all you, God, would you bless that person? You're doing it mentally. Share it with someone. Here's the deal, church. When we experience the reality of God's love that's been poured out on us, it overflows into the lives of everyone around us. Noticing people, engaging with them in conversation, asking meaningful questions, listening empathetically, serving with them, inviting them into a relationship are not only powerful expressions of God's love, they are also dependent on his love in order to be authentic, meaningful, and compelling as well. We've got to understand... We've got to be in the love of God to express the love of God. We've got to experience the love of God to share the love of God. We love because he first loves us. Let's stand. I hope that helps someone. It certainly helped me. Introduce yourself. Oh, hi, everyone. Oh, is it on? It will be. Hello? Hello? Oh. <laughs> I know you want your chips. Just um, along those lines about community and where God's put you and the people, who want, people he wants you to reach, mine's my workplace because um, 
you know, I'm not here much in Mount Barker. So um, recently I made a decision. <laughs> I'm not buying everyone Christmas presents this year because the last couple of years some people didn't even bother to take them home. And I thought, oh, you know, jeepers. I put thought into that. I know what they like. And then they didn't even bother to take them home. And I thought, oh. And I was talking, talking to the Lord and I said, I'm just not doing it anymore. It's ridiculous. I can't afford it. Um, and then I thought, I can't. I have to maintain this, this, I suppose, letting people know at work that, because when I give them their gift, they know that I know them. I know about their lives. I know what they like. So they, they get that I'm interested and I love them. So anyway, I went shopping with my granddaughter the other night and I wanted to show her and teach her about generosity as well. So I went into my favourite place, Bed, Bath and Table, to get some gifts and I'm getting, I had literally my hands were full and I'm standing in about eight people back and just talking to my granddaughter, I'm saying, oh, this one's for this lady because she loves this and rah, And she's like, oh, Nana, you know your work mates really well. And I said, yeah, we've worked together a long time. And then as I was standing there, this girl walked past me, stopped. She was leaving and then she just looked at me and she went, I'd like you to have this. And I said, sorry? And she said, oh, I had a gift voucher. I had money left on it. I don't want anything else. I'd like you to use it. So she gave it to me. And I just, I literally, normally I'd go, no, 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 no. And I thought, don't do that. That's pride. So I said, oh, thank you so much. That's so kind. So I took it from her. My granddaughter's like, Nana. And I said, no, 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 that's okay. Got to the counter, put it down, didn't know what was on it. I had to pay 50 cents for everything. And, I, and it was going to be $40. So it's like, and I'm just standing there and I heard God say, see, don't stop blessing because I've got, I've got it. Mm. I had to pay 50 cents mm. and everyone loved their gifts and they took them home. <laughs> yeah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word this morning. Would you continue to speak to us this week about your love? First of all, that we would accept it and receive it for ourselves, that we would walk in the power of your love that we would know it, maybe how high it is, how wide it is, how deep and how long, that we are surrounded by your love and there's no place on this earth or out of this earth that we can ever go that would separate us from your love. Would you help us, Father, with that love that we've experienced from you to go out into our world and to share your love with the people and around about us? In whatever ways that we can do, whatever practical outworking we can find to actually share that love of Christ with other people, Lord. I pray, help us, each and every one of us, to do that. Father, I thank you for the power of your word taking effect in people's lives, bringing transformation. And the lady that even gave that gift card to Wendy, Father, I pray your blessing upon her. Father, would you bless her even greater. May whatever she's given, Lord, return to her a hundredfold over. Right now, Lord, I just pray for those who may not know you here. I don't know everybody here this morning. I don't know where you are in so far as God is concerned, whether you're walking with him or you're not. 
But it would be remiss of me not to give you an opportunity to say, you know, I've heard about this Jesus character this morning and how the, he's made an effect upon people's lives here today. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, if you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you've never invited him into your heart, but you feel like this morning you, you just want to do that. You, you just feel there's something here that's, that you, know, you, you need to just step into the love of God and experience it for yourself. And just as they've said throughout the service that there'd be moments where you just couldn't explain it. There'd be an inexpressible joy that would flood your heart. Is there anybody here this morning, you've never invited Jesus to be Lord of your life, but this morning you say, yes, I want to do that. Would you put your hand up? I'd love to pray with you. I've got some resources I'd love to give you to help you in that journey. Is there anyone here this morning? You just want to say yes to Jesus. You want to give your heart to God. Anyone at all? Okay. I want to pray for those who struggle to understand or experience or feel God's love. I want to pray for you this morning. If you're someone who finds it hard to understand maybe or to, to experience God's love, but you want to, there's a deep desire in your heart to want to experience it for yourself. And you want to this morning. I'm going to believe that God is going to start a process of work within your heart. That He's going to peel back the layers of your heart like an onion like a Shrek. He's just going to peel that stuff away. Because I believe that sometimes through the hurts and the traumas of life that we build up calluses around our heart that prevent us from actually feeling what God truly wants to do with us. I'm going to ask God to, to soften your heart once more. Is there anyone here this morning maybe you just want to say, God, I, I want to feel your love once more. I want to feel it maybe for the first time. I want to experience it for myself. I don't want to just read about it. I don't want to hear other people's stories about it as much as I celebrate that with them. But I want to feel your love for me personally. Put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I pray for these wonderful people. And I ask you that in the name of Jesus, you make your love real to them in ways that they know, that you know how they need to feel it. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name today. Amen.